This is a free download from the BBC. For more information, go to bbc.co.uk slash podcasts. We took that clips, Shags. Sorry. Hey. Oh, my headphones aren't working. They won't. It's the BBC. Oh, they're not plugged in, that's why. Well, that, that, that may be part of it. I suspect that won't be the full solution. There we go. Uh, good good guten Tag. This is an important cast and willkommen. Has to geschwister? Und is she fit? Oh. Sorry. Um, is that microphone? Is your microphone? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, is your microphone, Shags? Uh, y- yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Thank you very much Sorry. indeed. We're speaking German today. Um, uh, it's a tribute to Kelly Betts, who's not here. She's in Prague, where they... Just get closer. Don't, they don't speak German in Prague, do they? they some, the German community do. Shaggy, you've been sat in for Kelly Betts all week. Give us your mm. opinion of how you think it's gone, and then we'll give you our, our appraisal. OK, OK. I, I think it's uh, gone... In, in terms of my contribution, I think my contribution has been really good. Oh. Um, mm-hmm. That's what I'd say. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of the whole show, I think there probably wasn't enough me... Mm-hmm. Would be my. Mm-hmm. Kind and of how do you think you've gone on with um, your, your colleagues, myself and Catherine? Uh, be honest. What do you think we'd be saying about you when you weren't here? Because we'll be saying it to you in a minute. Okay. Uh, well, well, the only thing I could imagine anyone saying would be, you know, how how pleasurable it's been working with oh. such a such a professional. Gosh. Yeah. It's interesting. That makes it slightly awkward. Mm. Uh, uh, does it? Oh. Yeah. Kath, do you want to go first? Yeah. Um, first of all. Um, the coffee thing. Oh, yeah. Not enough coffee thing. Not, not enough cough, mate. I, d- I thought I made up for that today. I thought I was... Well, we had three coughs. Yeah. Is that, is this, uh, it's kind of a late spurt on a Thursday, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. so that wasn't yeah. great. I thought your attitude, actually, was a bit, um, a bit stinky. Really? Yeah. Okay. Your, pa- little... your pastry policy as well needs re-looking at. Um, you yeah. know, two mornings in a row you've sat there eating yeah. uh, in front of us and not... Not your, even giving us a bite or a lick. Your feminine hygiene isn't up to scratch. Is it not? No, no, mate. No, I mate. like to say. And um, you just made us feel really sad. It's been really sad this week. Because we've been looking forward to it so much, haven't we? Yeah, and it's just... Um, so, it's, listen, it's... Wow. it's but, but, but on the upside... Lessons can be learnt. Yeah. Um, on the upside, though... I did write down an upside, I'm sure. Hang on. On the upside, you... Uh, I've got an upside here. I was prompt. No, well. well um, you were late one day. Yeah. Um, no, I did write an upside, but I, I crossed it out. Sorry. Oh. Sorry. Um, Let's get them on the podcast, shall we? Yeah. We were talking about private car parks dishing out parking fines. I spoke... To, oh, he's got this two really awkward interviews in this podcast, I've just realised. One of them is this. Me speaking to the British Parking Association. And what I really wanted to know was... Bless you. Is it fair? Well, is it? Fair? Dave Smith is from the British Parking Association. Morning, Dave. Good morning. What's your reaction to what you just heard? Well, I mean, I don't disagree with um, with everything that David said, but I think, you know, we have to realise that, that most motorists don't actually receive a parking ticket and the majority do actually pay heed to the rules and regulations. But those ones that do, for 100 quid fine for being 15 minutes over, it's a bit tight, isn't it? Yeah, I think 15 minutes is, 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 is a little, little proportion of the time over, and I think most motorists wouldn't receive a ticket for that, that overstay, 15 minutes. But they, it's automatically generated, isn't it, by a computer, so there is no human uh, element going, well, this, it's, it's only 5, 10, 15 minutes, we'll let them off. It, it, it's generated automatically. No, there's always a human element involved. I mean, I've seen behind the scenes where these operations take place, 
And, you know, it's not in these companies' interest to issue a ticket that is wrong. They want to make sure that they're providing a service on behalf of the land. Well, 15 minutes wouldn't be wrong, and we know that it does happen. So, so how is that justified? Well, it's not justified. I mean... So why do they do it? Well, the parking operators are managing the land on behalf of a landowner, typically a retailer. Um, you know, they're providing a service to the landowner. What we don't want is a situation where motorists are parking all day, every day, in a car park. They're not actually using the service available. But uh, you, you still not quite answered the question. Why is it fair to find someone a hundred pounds for being fifteen minutes over when they spent a few hundred quid in the shop? Well, I mean, it's not always a hundred pounds. I mean, there are guidelines in place, and we recommend that the, the maximum charge is a hundred pounds. Okay. It's around eighty, seventy-five, and then there's a discount as well to forty percent. Um, if people feel that the ticket is unfair. They can appeal that ticket. I'm going to ask the question one more time, Dave, because maybe you're not hearing. Why do you think it's acceptable to fine people up to £100 if they're 15 minutes over their limit? Well, it doesn't happen in the majority of cases. Well, it does happen, though. We know it happens. We've just spoken to someone who who has instances of it happening. So why do you think it's fair? Well, if it isn't fair, then people should appeal that ticket, and there are processes in place to allow them to do that. why do you think it's fair? I don't think it's fair that that should happen. It's unfair... Uh, you're from the British Parking Association, you're saying it's unfair that um, uh, people who are 15 minutes over the limit should be fined £100, up to £100. It simply isn't the case in the majority of instances. No, but it, but it happens, and you're, you just said it's unfair. It happens in a minority of cases. Is it unfair? It happens, but it isn't, a, it isn't the norm, and it isn't something OK, those minority of cases it happens, is it unfair? That's for the appeals service to decide. Well, no, you're from. The, uh, you can give it, give me your opinion for as, as someone from the British Parking Association. Is it unfair? Well, there are so many different instances that. Okay, here's an instance. Someone has parked for 15 minutes longer than they should have done. They get a fine of, let's say, 80 pounds. Is that fair? As the current situation stands, that is what motorists will have to contend with, and they should appeal that ticket. But is, if, but is it fair? <laughs> is it fair? Ian, it's not for us to decide, it's for the appeals service. Well, you did just say it was unfair a minute ago, and you seem to be backtracking. Well, no, I'm just, I'm just um, thinking about what I said and... Uh, You're you know, regretting it. So, you, so, you, I, I, so you, 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 you thought it was unfair, then you've reconsidered it, and now you think it's fair. No, 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 you're, you're, you're twisting my words, I'm afraid. OK, well, you did say it was unfair, that's not a twisting, that's, that's what you said. I think what I'm saying is there's a, a process in place for any motorist who wants to appeal a ticket right. and it's for the, the, the appeals service to decide whether that ticket issued was fair or not. OK. Uh, making it difficult for, for people to go shopping and do things, isn't it? Well, no, I think we've got to think about the landowner here. The landowner is, is, is providing a service for the motorist and what yeah. we don't want is a situation where the cost of that charge is £10, £20 and therefore the motorist says, well, I'll just park here all day then and I'm happy with yeah. that cost. Yeah. It's a nice little learner, isn't it? I don't think so, no. How much parking do these companies make? Parking is never free, Ian. We have to, we have to realise no. that. How much do these companies make, Dave? Well, it varies, you know, it varies. Well, uh, go we on, give us an example. I don't know. I mean, I don't know the financial figures of all these companies. That's not the way we operate. We're a membership association. Right. Because private landowner isn't going to do it for free, are they? Parking is a, bi- a business. Well, I think, I think the uh, misconception is that parking is free. A free parking space costs money. It's the, the, the cost of providing that service, the... How much does it cost? 
It depends. It depends on what the operator says that it costs. What about this, this, this thing we've heard, that if, you, that if you get one of these, they're not enforceable by law? Well, I mean, they have to uh, justify their costs to us. Um, are, they, are these fines that sent out by these private parking companies, are they enforceable by law? They're not enforceable by law. Because so so then why would anyone want to pay them? Because they're, they're, they're parking in a car park... Right. They're agreeing to the terms and conditions in that car park, yeah. which are clearly set out in signage at the entrance to the car park and right. throughout the car park. Right. Those guidelines are in place and, and they should be adhered to. But if it's, not le- if it's not legally enforceable, and thanks for telling everyone that, Dave, because that certainly is going to help a lot of people, then you get one of these fines through the, the, the letterbox, you might as well just rip it up. If they can't enforce it, no-one's going to pay it voluntarily, are they? Well, they can, they can be pursued by the parking company. But if, if it's not legally enforceable, then what's that pursuance going to do, apart from be classified as harassment? No, it's not harassment. I mean, if they've agreed um, when they park in that car park to abide by the terms and conditions, yeah. then they're, they're, they're agreeing in a contract. You've, you've just said it's not legally enforceable. What I'm saying is legislation doesn't exist on private land in the So it's way. not legally enforceable? Well, no, there is no legislation that exists. So what don't I pay it, then. What we would like to see is for government to regulate private parking. Wow. One final question, Dave. If someone is 15 minutes over their limit, is it fair they should get an £85 fine? It depends on the circumstances of that particular parking act. Dave, thank you very much indeed. What's that noise? Your foot. Oh, yeah. Um, it I was... <laughs> I know we're on the internet with this, but still, with, I like to employ standards. Stop doing that. <laughs> I mean, really. It was a bit of an odd show on Tuesday. Did you write this, Shags? I, I, did. Uh, I did. I didn't really know how to write so, this sort of stuff. In Shaggy's opinion... Well, was... Shaggy says... What did you do it, Shags? Your word, you do it. Uh, it was a bit of an odd show on Tuesday, and I think this paper review set the tone. That sounds like a criticism. Yeah, what do you mean? But it was... What was your beef with the paper review, mate? I don't know, it was about far from the Madden crowd. And then there was something about Dame Edna impressions. Highbrow. Yeah. It's cultural. Now you're, okay, so let's listen. What you got in the papers? Um, this, a border collie cross was lucky to be alive yesterday after falling 300 feet down a mountain. Hey! Have you seen far from the Madden crowd? No, mate, All of course not. that is not, a belting film. I bet it's not. How, you... many, how many car chases or gun battles are there in that film? There is a gun in it. I'd be, it'd be a really boring old rubbish gun with a flintlock. Yeah. Boring. Does the damage though? No, it doesn't do the damage. Yeah, There's does. no aim. Do you know? Um, you know, in films where they have a gun in each hand, and sometimes they have it sideways, and they yeah. poof, poof, and they go backwards like this. Would break your shoulders. You can't do that. No. You can't aim properly. Your aim would be completely off. You've got to a, hold it with two hands. I watched the, and it's a brilliant film. I think it's called Escape Plan. It's. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, have you seen Escape Plan, Shags? Yeah. Oh, is that, who's he talking to again? He's such a deviant. <laughs> <laughs> Look, no talking, worries. He's talking to himself. In Australian. It's, um, no worries, mate. It's uh, Schwarzenegger mm. and Stallone. Mm-hmm. It's brilliant. It's mm-hmm. so over the top, it's brilliant. But there's a bit, right, where a helicopter, there's a massive machine gun on a helicopter and this guy's shooting, but the guy gets shot. So Arnie walks up to the helicopter, rips the gun off, and he's just, he's holding it with one arm and he's firing it. That would have sent him flying back a hundred yards. He would have flipped it round and shot himself in the face. Yeah, I love it. So anyway, far from the madding crowd. Yeah, boring. None of that in there. No, but at the beginning, the sheepdog goes nuts yeah. and chases poor old farmer... Oh, God, it really sounds great. Giles? Anyway, no. He... Farmer Giles, there's, there's, he was a celebrity. Shut up. Anyway, it chases what? all his sheep over the, over the cliff. Hey, and so sounds... he's ruined... 
He is ruined. Sounds so, see, I've seen films where people get ruined in much more exciting ways than that. Biggers! Hello, it's Damien Rivers here. OK, that's just embarrassing. <laughs> that was good. Bra- brainy. Brainiacs. Quite yeah. standard as well for us. Now, your next link... Yeah. ...doesn't it give the game away? Well, OK, but we could, we could well, not... We could no, not I'd say we'll do it, and then we'll let the listener decide if it, if it was a well, spoiler or not. OK, uh, hang yeah. on. Spoiler alert. OK, spoiler, yeah. Um, this is the internet, home of the spoiler. <laughs> uh, Paul in Biggleswade, also called, he nearly ran over Stephen Hawking. That was Ben, voice of the spoiler. Celebrities that have nearly run you over mm-hmm. or celebrities you've nearly run over. Let's quickly speak to Paul in Biggleswade. Morning, Paul. Uh, good morning, Ian. What's your story? Yeah, about two or three years ago, I was driving around in Cambridge and I was stopped at one of those Pelican crossings, you know, the traffic lights. Yeah. And uh, I wasn't really paying attention, and I noticed that the lights had then gone back to flashing amber. So I was about to drive off when I realised that the person crossing the road in front of me in his motorised wheelchair was Professor Stephen Hawking. Oh, Paul! I've got to say, that I, I'm going to... I'm going to put that above Sigourney Weaver, I think, Catherine. Ooh. I think Stephen Hawking is... Well, actually, let's, let's ask um, the voice of reason. Shags, who's the biggest star, Stephen Hawking or Sigourney Weaver? Stephen Hawking, obviously. It has to be. Uh, but, but, was he t- did you beep him, Paul? No, no. You know, I gave way to him. I let him cross the road. After all, I mean, he did have right of way. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know... But, I, I did. I did think twice about running him over because, after all, I'm, what, what has a bloke has ever done for me? I don't know. But he's ever... <laughs> you could have been responsible for taking out a scientific legend. Yeah, but I mean, I think he's a bit overrated myself. Oh, really? Yeah. Do you know what? I mean, he's just a guy who comes on. He says, "Space is deep. It is infinite. So what?" <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? Yeah. I don't see what all the fuss is about Stephen Hawking as well. No, I don't, yeah, what has he ever done? What has he ever done? He's one of our greatest minds. And well, he's local. What, what school in St Albans? Oh, did Justin? As Paul said, Paul, what, what did Stephen Hawking say? What, what, what was his theory? Well, uh, no, I'm just saying, all he comes up with is space is deep, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Well, space it is deep though. But yeah, but did we, you we... say that first? Paul, that's a cracking call. Thank you very much. He's got a good point. What has Stephen Hawking ever done for us? Wow. Apart from saying space is deep. <laughs> so you've heard the introduction, and now you've heard the story. Was it spoiled for you by Ben? If it was, then send your emails to th- uh, 3CR at um, the BBC. Oh, or okay. shaggynews.com. <laughs> he just started calling me Shaggy. <laughs> 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 Fair play, you take so much bullying from us, and it is actually bullying. You've got total... You could get so much money compensation from the BBC. Now, Howard Kalen from The Turtles um, uh, was supposed to come on on Thursday's show. It'll be Wednesday night for him, because he's in Seattle, Thursday morning, and I spent ages arranging this with him, all right? He couldn't grasp the time difference, and I sent him a specific email saying, 10.30pm, Wednesday night, your time, for my show Thursday morning. Well, he tweeted me Wednesday morning, which was Tuesday night, his show going, Hey, man, what's going on? Well, this was going on. Morning, Howard. Good morning, Ian. How are you, sir? <laughs> I'm fine. Listen, for the, you're, in, you're in Seattle in Washington. Um, that is uh, correct. The United States thereof. We're in the UK. It's 6.38 here, 10.38 there. We've had real confusion with the time difference. Both of us have. Well, you know, what time is meaningless, Ian? Well, I think, I think with us talking now, we're a day early, because I said to you Wednesday night your time. 
Aha. Well, this is Wednesday night, my time. No, hang on. Hang on. Isn't it Tuesday night there? Well, I, I, I'm really not sure. <laughs> Listen, you we'll... asked me about time. You didn't ask me about day. <laughs> Oh, Howard, we'll talk to you now. Bless you, sir. Howard Kalen, formerly of the Turtles, formerly of Flo and Eddie, formerly of Hanging Out with Frank Zappa, an author of one of the naughtiest rock and roll autobiographies I've ever read in my life, sir. How are you come doing? Come on, come on, come on, come on. Man, you did, some, you, you, you did some naughty things. I, I did what life presented me with. What did life present you with when you had to play uh, at the, the White House for President Nixon? Was it Nixon you were playing for? Yeah, okay, look, wait, now, there are a lot of misconceptions already flying around Go on, then, set the Um, record straight. I didn't play for Nixon. I wouldn't have played for Nixon, no matter what. However, uh, in the United States, because our our policies change every four years with our presidencies, uh, it's not looked upon with disfavor to appear before a, a hostile president, for instance, uh, this is as close as we get to a royal invitation to play yeah. the palace. You know, it's the White House, so you go whether you want to or not. Yeah. Because if you don't go, then they, you know, then they follow you around with little, you know, hats and stuff, and you don't want that for the rest of your life. So, yes, we agreed uh, begrudgingly, uh, I must say, to play the White House. Uh, but Tricky Dick Nixon was not around. He was on a mission abroad or something. And this was a party for his then uh, 16-year-old daughter, Trisha. So we figured, you know, what the heck? You know, the sins of the father don't really fall on the daughter when she's 16 years old and coming out in the White House. So, yes, we did. And we did some unorthodox things to prepare for the appearance at the White House. Now, come on. I love the way... I love the fact, Catherine, he's denying that he played for President Nixon. (laughs) But what what exactly did you do in the White House, Mr Kalen? What would you have done? I wouldn't have done as many drugs as you did! I'm not sure, Ian. (laughs) Now, think back. This is a time frame situation, buddy. You know, so think back to what you, you know, might have done at the age of 20, 21 or so in defiance of a government that you really didn't believe in anyway. And here you are playing free, I might add, you know, as a favor to your government. And then they put you through the hassles that they put us through during the afternoon uh, that preceded that program. And it made things sort of interesting for us that night. We sort of needed to uh, to rise above, as the case may be. As the case, but listen, can I just can I just throw some rock and roll names at you and see what your memories are of them? Oh, sure. Good luck with that. Yeah, I know. Bearing in mind, we're twenty four hours early. Listen, Jimi Hendrix. Jimi Hendrix loved him, loved him so much, knew him um, before he made it, and uh, it was a, a, a remarkable. Uh, evening that I spent with him in London at the Speakeasy. Um, so you're an expert on this because you have the advantage over your audience of having read my book, uh, Shell Shocked. Sh- by, by, by the way, if you want to get a rock bo- autobiography, Shell Shocked is the one to go because a lot of these books, Howard, they kind of hold back. It's all in there. What did you do with Jimi Hendrix? Well, I threw up on him. <laughs> 
Uh, already, that's I mean, that the... wasn't my intention. I mean, we had a, a lovely <laughs> evening before that. Uh, but I just, you know, some things in a crowded room in a pounding nightclub, uh, you know, I couldn't get away from the table fast enough. I, I wasn't quite sure where the loo was. All of my buddies had deserted me. Yep. I was alone at like four in the morning eating spinach omelets. And oh, drinking God. cognac and getting very, very high with Mr. Hendricks, who hadn't even come to America yet. This was two weeks before the Monterey Pop Festival. So he had not even broken in this country yet, even though he was on the front page of NME and DISC and all those papers yeah. in Europe. Um, so it was bizarre for me because he was a Seattle guy like I am now. Yeah. And we were talking about girls and what success was like and uh, and, and what it felt like to have a number one record and, and, and all that sort of thing. And, and, you know, weeks later, he would he would far eclipse any fame that I ever possessed, certainly. And, and he'd be telling me what to do. What did he say when you puked wonderful. up on him, Howard? What did he say? Say you yeah. want the actual words? Can you actually no. say those words on BBC? <laughs> no, you can't. I think we can imagine them. I think we can imagine. You can't even. I mean, <laughs> uh, even for the motion picture, we'd made a movie of that oh. uh, incident, in fact, and a couple of other uh, gems that led up to a, a picture called My Dinner with Jimmy oh. uh, that Rhino uh, Pictures put out. Um, several years ago, yeah. and it played at a lot of uh, film festivals in America and did very, very well, won a lot of prizes, and uh, it's available here on Netflix. I don't know what your situation is there, but um, My Dinner with Jimmy is the name of that, and it, it's uh, it's quite the chronicle. Uh, just to prove that I haven't been idle and waiting for the Turtles to have another hit 50 years later. Yeah, good. Listen, Howard, I've got to do a little bit of business. Can you wait for two minutes? Is that okay, sir? Absolutely. Stay there, boss. Howard Kalen, formerly, well, I think he still is with the, the, a reformed group of the Turtles. Uh, Flo and Eddie, Frank Zappa, all of that stuff. More from him in a second. <laughs> Business done. Joined again by Howard Kalen. Morning, Howard. Good morning again, Ian. Now, bless you. I, I, as far as I'm concerned, I'm, we're 24 hours early for this interview, but I'm, I'm enjoying chatting to you. It's an honour to talk to you, sir. Let me throw another name at you. John sure. Lennon. John Lennon, everybody's favourite bad boy. Um, well, I had a few uh, run-ins with him. Um, the first uh, was not particularly pleasant. Uh, it was chronicled in that uh, movie we were talking yeah. about earlier, um, in that uh, we revered those guys. I mean, we were a little American surf band from uh, Los Angeles, California. We had no aspirations of ever doing anything except making a, a living in high school and being able to buy a better surfboard or a new transmission for our cars or something. And, and uh, when we were plucked out of the woods to become um, a, a band that actually had records, uh, it was only because we put down our saxophones and had decided to sing after the enormous success of the Beatles only like a year prior. Uh, in 1965, we were singing, and uh, we were plucked out of the, um, the morass and, and uh, brought to a point where several records later we had Happy Together, and it had come out uh, as an international record for us, the first one that we'd ever had. Uh, we were brought over to uh, England on Decca's Dime and uh, uh, put up in a hotel and, and gotten through all the press conferences and stuff. And the first evening uh, we were there, 
uh, got the chance to go to this club where later on I was to meet Jimi Hendrix. But earlier, the, the whole idea was um, we were with Graham Nash at his home, uh, and uh, Graham played Sergeant Pepper for us for the first time on a tape that George had given him. Wow. The album had not yet come out. Wow. And we freaked. We, as, as a normal Beatle kid would, you just went, oh, my God, there has never been anything like this ever made. And, and uh, one of our guys, our rhythm player, Jim Tucker, uh, had said to Graham, you know, I, I could die a happy man now. You know, if I could meet those guys, that would be the you want it? You want to meet them? He said, all right, you know, get your coats. Here we go. So we didn't know. We were in a stupor, and we followed him into taxis, and we got dropped off at the speakeasy. And the first, the first people that he marched us past in procession, as if the Queen herself were there before us, was a table full of beetles. <laughs> and uh, it was the most intimidating thing I had ever seen. And, uh. you know, and Jane Asher was there with Paul. They were still very much an item. But John and Paul together had cameras they both had cameras and they were crawling under the table they were very very high um and taking pictures of the ladies at the table under the table oh. under the skirts oh, you know they had just torches they had lighters to light their way they couldn't really see they were loud they were obnoxious it, it was terrific <laughs> you know and, and and coming right up on that table and seeing a living you know hard day's night played out in front of us it was just it was just the way we wanted it to be uh we met them all they were all very gracious at first george was not there um and uh, and paul was particularly nice to me as a singer uh asking me about my influences you know uh, complimenting the vocals that he had heard from me geez what i was just over the moon yeah. and uh, uh john lennon was the only guy who just sort of sat he just sort of sat and, and kind of made fun of the whole thing, you know. Oh, the salad turtles from sunny California. You know, how are you? What are you dressed that, like? That then? is what the worst English accent I've ever heard, Howard. That's appalling. Well, no, no, Dick Van Dyke. It's the worst. <laughs> well, all right, you're, you're not far off him, though. Was I supposed to be trying? <laughs> Listen, I, I, one more, one more. I could throw so many names. I know you've worked with Bowen and all these guys. One more name, because I'm a big fan. How the hell did you get to work with Frank Zappa? Because the Turtles, you know, kind of happy-go-lucky, uh, slightly psychedelic pop group, and then to go with, you know, the master of the crazy chord changes and time signatures, how did that happen? Uh, Frank knew us for a long time uh, through um, his manager, Herb Cohen, who was a cousin of mine. And he also knew about us because when you played as a band on the Sunset Strip, it didn't matter what kind of music you played. We were all in this together. We were all trying to get work at the same clubs. So everybody in Hollywood knew everybody else. And Frank knew within two weeks of the Turtles' breakup for legal reasons and record company and royalties and all that, that we had broken up and that Mark and I, as individuals, stood no chance of having a future as long as this lawsuit loomed above us. And so he very kindly asked us to, uh, to join the Mothers because he had heard an album we had done called Battle of the Bands, yeah. where we satirized every other kind of music in the world. Frank knew that we could play it. He knew that we had incredibly high voices. And he really was looking for some kind of a link between his world of jazz and obscure music and our AM pop world of, of hit success. 
and I think he, he lucked upon it, you know, and all of our best recordings with him were done live in front of an audience and happy together at the Fillmore and all that. It sort of cemented our Laurel Canyon relationship. The Turtles were a weird band, man. You looked, you all, you didn't look like, you know, the kind of the bands of the day. No, we were not skinny. We were not pretty. Uh, we had nobody in front to be Peter Noon or even to be on this country's level, Mark Lindsay from Paul Revere and the Raiders. Yeah. There was no redeeming features to us whatsoever, <laughs> except that we had me singing, which I think was a good thing. Oh, yeah. And we had this incredibly porky guy next to me with unwieldy curly hair yep. and dark black glasses and he kept dropping tambourines and no one was really sure what his job was in the band 50 years later i can still say every word i've spoken is true yeah you're still well, you're People still, still, you're still don't know what the hell you're still doing it now you two guys aren't you we're what now? You're still doing it. You're still going out and, and, and touring. I know, listen, I, I told you I'm a big fan of the Monkees, and I know that you played with the Monkees in the 80s, and you're, but you're still going around yeah. now. Uh, we go around uh, three months a year. We do June, July, and August during the summer. That's all we do. That's all we need to do. Uh, I, I consider us very, very fortunate to have ridden the currents of, of pop fame up and down for the last uh, half century. And uh, we allow ourselves only those three months to work in. Uh, we don't work the rest of the year. Uh, my partner uh, is a professor in uh, Nashville, Tennessee, at a very big music school there called Belmont University, where, in fact, Peter Noon's daughter just graduated wow. um, from his class in music. Um, uh, every summer when we go out on the road, we take an extra bus full of students from Belmont University to intern with us and to go out on the road cool and to see that? what it's like traveling, you know, 3,000 miles at a clip in, in three tour buses and then going out with all these bands and, and having to work press and monitors and house and lights and merchandise and all that, and they get quite the education. Oh, hang on a second. Uh, you're, getting, you're getting cheap labor. That's what it is, isn't it? I, I've just realized yeah. what you're doing. There, get me a soda, <laughs> and I mean now. Listen, Howard, stay there. I want to bring my reporter, Justin. In. Morning, Justin. Hey, good morning, boss. What are you doing to me? I, know. <laughs> I could have sworn I <laughs> hey, swore. What are you guys doing to me? Where is this so-called Greenwich Mean Time that we're talking about? <laughs> You're a day early, Howard. You're a day early, <laughs> Justin. You've well, what been... are we going to do tomorrow? Are we going to do this again? Yes, oh, please, listen, yeah. man. You come on any time you want, Howard. It's an honour to talk to you. Justin is our reporter. Justin, you've, you've put together a little package, haven't you, for yes, Howard? Yes, in uh, ten minutes, frantically on this one uh, because of the uh, time difference. So um, I've done, I've uh, put together a little package on uh, the Turtles and your fantastic music. Take a listen to this. Turtles are slow and boring creatures, but not the band, as they raced up the American charts in 1965 with their debut hit. Ain't Me Babe, a term that us lads can really relate to. It took them another two years to have an impact on the charts this side of the pond, but when they did, they came with a bang. Happy Together, a classic, followed by She'd Rather Be With Me and This Little Beauty. comes the acid test. Do their hits still give them credibility on the streets of Beds, Hearts and Bucks, which are notoriously hard streets to please? Take a listen. 
Okay. The Turtles. I'm they the Turtles. Yeah, Turtles, yeah. Okay. They're still well, a fantastic band, aren't they? Yeah, they're fantastic. And the, the, the four Turtles, you know? The Ninja Turtles, they're the best ones. No, no, the, the band, the Turtles. Okay, if, if that's making you happy, I can say yes then. So it would appear that the Turtles, their music, and the people are still very much happy together. I don't. <laughs> Howard, I, don't, I'm, 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 I hope that's okay with you. Bravo, bravo, Justin. Well Thank done. you, Howard. Thank you, boss. Howard, where. Justin, that was, I know you, you knocked that out very quickly. Thank you, mate. Howard, you. when are you going to come to the UK? Boy, you send me a ticket and I'm there in a minute. You know, I've, I've never had better times than I had there, uh, especially when we went over, I think, in 67, all the, all the times that we spent uh, as Turtles, as Flo and Eddie doing kind of low-budget things in and around uh, England, and, of course, with Frank, uh, the, entire bo- uh, the entire mess that went on at Royal Albert Hall there for the 200 Motel concert that never occurred. Oh, someone uh, smacked him, didn't they? Pardon me? Didn't someone, didn't someone smack Frank? Is that what happened? Uh, no, this was an entirely different oh. um, situation. But this, this was a, a right around the time of um, the 200 Motels movie. Yeah. So this would have been in 71, 72. And there was a concert booked of the concert of the, the soundtrack for yeah. the motion picture, 200 Motels at Albert Hall. But we had to um, submit the script that we were going to perform uh, to the founding fathers of the Albert Hall, yeah. and they all read it and went, oh, no, 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 no. Uh, I have seen no. 200 motels. I'm guessing that you guys maybe, I don't know, were you taking drugs then as well? Uh, gee, let me think. Uh, was I breathing? Yes, <laughs> yes, I was. Howard, listen, yes. I, 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 it's such an honour to talk to you. I'm, I'm, I'm so proud to speak to you. Uh, a, a couple of quick things. What are you up to now? And I have heard rumours that there is there, there might be a massive Turtles box set. Is that happening? Well, what we've done so far in this country is to release everything uh, that we put out on singles uh, as a box set. We've got a 45 RPM a uh, box set of just the Turtles uh, 20 greatest singles back to back that we've prepared. We even include uh, in the box a little spindle for those people who don't really have those laying around yeah. in case they have a turntable and nothing else to play it on. Uh, we were going to assemble a box set of all of our stuff, and, and frankly, we, we took a lot of discussions about it before realizing that not a whole lot of people cared. Oh, man. So, uh, Get a nice rhino handmade job. That. Yeah, Handmade is great if you've got the money to release that sort of thing as a vanity project. You know, um, we're still, uh, and I use the word advisedly, struggling musicians. I use both of those words advisedly. I never was a musician, and I've always been struggling. I suspect drugs may have been involved. J-Dog had some competition this week, didn't he? He did. wasn't asking you. I was looking at you just to make sure you weren't stealing anything. Oh, (laughs) But I wasn't asking you. Sorry. J-Dog had some competition this week, didn't he? Why are you nodding, Ben? He's not asking you. Uh, sorry. I'm just making sure... <laughs> Put your hands on the table. Sorry. Let's sorry. do it properly. OK. okay. J-Dog had some competition this week, didn't he? I'm asking so, you a question, it's mate. so rude. I'm asking you a question. He's looking uh, at you. Uh, so, sorry. Um, he did, yeah. Yeah, he did. From whom? Uh, Katia. The ladies. 
Hello, hello, good morning. Um, uh, it's a bit early for me. I'm not used to that early. <laughs> well, look, if this is going to become a career, which I think it might, Katia, okay. you're going to have to get up a little bit earlier than this. Katia, say hello to Justin. Hello, Justin. Good hello, morning. Justin. Uh, <laughs> hello. Morning, Katia. How are you? Uh, I'm fine. I'm so excited to be talking to you. Well, I'm very excited <laughs> to be talking to you with a voice like that. Wow. Yes, mm-hmm. Um OK. Uh, listen, I, I think that uh, I've got a bit of audio. I did it for you, but I didn't really. Well, kind of. I don't know. It's in the morning. I'm not used to talking in the morning. So. <laughs> OK. OK, you, you guys, recorded, can, you, can you explain what's going on here? You recorded a little piece for us, <laughs> Katia, where you're quite dismissive of Justin Dealey and his no. work. What? Very rude. Okay. But I've got to say, I think you've got uh, the good. Should we have a listen? Let's do that. Hello, dear listeners. My name is Katja, and just like the J-Dog, I'm taking it to the streets. Except it's a little bit cold today, so I'm calling some friends to see what they think about the big topic of the day, which is the demise of the Page 3 girl. First of all, here's Charlie in Belgium, who seems rather passionate about the whole issue. Me, as a Belgian citizen, I'm against this demise. It's very awful. It's shocking. I want my page free girl again in the name of all Belgian citizens. I then rang Daniel in the Netherlands, who's got a rather different view on the whole thing. As long as boobs don't disappear uh, <clears throat> in general, then, then I think it's a good thing because I think uh, newspapers don't have to show the latest naked boobs next to the weather. And finally, here's Lloyd in the UK, and I, I really hope that his mum is not listening to this. Some may say it's a sad day. Quite happy to flip through all the pages. Maybe they should move it to page four. Maybe page five. You can have a boob on each page. Wouldn't be a problem. So that's all from me. And uh, watch out, J-Dog. There's another dog on the streets. <laughs> very, very good. Very, very good. One slight problem, though, Katia. Well, two yeah. slight problems. Um, if, if you want to be me, yeah. you've got to get up early in the morning. <laughs> and secondly, you can't just ring your mates. You've got to go on the streets, all right? OK, but, you know, I don't have a fancy recording machine like oh, you I'll have. i tell you what, I'm going to make you a deal right now. Right. Ian, are you OK with this? Uh, Ian, do you trust me? Uh, Justin, I trust you implicitly. Okay. Well, hang on a minute. Wait. No, 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 I trust no, Justin. He's, he's only let us down, what, a dozen times? Yeah. No, never let you down once in two years. You know that. Uh, so, every Friday, Ian, you have a, an open-door policy, don't that, you? Oh, yeah, we're, that's right. Yes. Thanks for reminding me. Half we're, past seven to eight o'clock, yes. People come into the studio, have some great people in. I'll tell you what, Catty, on a Friday, yeah. I'm going to have my open-door policy. Policy. Why what? don't you, you steal my idea? Why don't you come onto the streets with me and we can work together? How does that sound? Uh, that sounds really excellent, actually. Yeah, why there not? Go. There you go. You going to come down and do it, Katia? <laughs> okay, okay, let's do that. Not, not this Friday because I'm in Grantham. It takes a bit of planning, but definitely I will join you on the street. You'll need to wear some gloves and uh, some tight clothing. Okay, okay. That's, for the, that's for the warmth, Katia. That's not him just being a deviant. <laughs> <laughs> and friend of the show, Billy Crush, phoned up to talk about page three and bombs. The World War Two kind. Billy Crush. Morning, Billy. Hello there. A very good morning to you. A very good morning to you, Bill. What have you got for us? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm always listening to your programme, of course, with uh, much joy. Um, uh, all this hoo-ha, uh, 
about uh, uh, page three. Yes. I can't, I'm 94 as you know, yeah. and I can't see anything wrong in admiring a, 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 a beautiful lady, providing it's uh, natural. Uh, um, I mean, so many things now that uh, uh, I use this silicone business in, in my well, young most, day. Most of, the, most of the women on page three, Billy, it's all silicone. Is it? Yeah, most of them, there's hardly any of them are real on page three. It's all well, silicone. No, no, oh, well, no, and yeah, what's listen. wrong, Billy, with looking at a beautiful woman's face? Why have we got to see her nipples or her breasticles? Ah, now, listen, in 1942, uh, it, I, I was in London there, you know, yes. in London, and, and time and time again, I went to the uh, the windmill. Oh, uh, yeah. uh, we never close. And... Uh, uh, I, we, we could see the real thing there. Oh, well, they, they weren't allowed to move then, were they? Pardon? They, were, they weren't allowed to move then, were they? They had to stand still. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. They had to stand still. You, if, if you could... Uh, if you look very closely, you could see them breathing. Mm. <laughs> and, of course, really when, the, when the uh, siren went or the, or the, uh, the, the bomb, you could hear the, the thud of the bombs. Yeah. Of course, they, they, they dived off the stage. So, you were hoping that Jerry would, would drop a few doodlebugs. And, and then, of course, then we, you got a little bit of a bonus, shall we say. You got a what? A little bit of a what? No, 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 it doesn't seem very clear this morning. No, I, but did you say bonus? The bonus, because they moved to dive down to the shelter. Well... That's all the stuff that's happened so far. We're recording this on a Thursday, and who knows what's going to happen on Friday? Probably a whole load of magic. I'll tell you what's going to happen. Closer to the microphone. I'll tell you what's going to happen. Hey. People are going to come in between well, half past seven and eight, and yeah. if they don't, I'll do voices. Um, you just turned up with... Is that your mum through there? Yeah. Why has your mum not come in the studio? I don't know. Bit cowardly, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Bit, bit, bit cowardly, mum, a little bit cowardly. And is that your sister with her as yeah. well? OK, so what's mum's name? Christine. Christine. Morning, Christine. You cowards. <laughs> and what's your sister's name? Courtney. Courtney. And Courtney's older than you, I'm guessing, yeah. because she's taller than you, so <laughs> that would kind of... I'm going to guess your age at... What do you reckon, Kath? 15? Mm. 16? 3? I'm not very good at ages. 11. I'm 12. 12 years old. Oh, Fantastic. Oh. And what school do you go to, Morgan? Cardinal High School. OK. Do, now, do you listen to this radio show? Um, sometimes my nan listens to it. Oh, oh. So you only listen to it if your nan's listening to it. Who's your favourite, me or Catherine? I don't know. Oh, blimey. All right, we'll, we'll, we'll come to you. All right. Mark's in as well. Morning, Mark. Morning. Now, I've got to say, what chunky knitwear you've got. Look, we've both got the... It's my Starsky and Hutch look. It's beautiful. It's Navajo. It's Navajo. Be it's beautiful. Whereabouts are you from, Mark? Uh, Luton. OK. And Road. I, I phoned up. About a week ago. Was I rude to you? No, no, you were oh. very nice, actually. It was the first time I phoned up. I phoned up when you were talking about blended families. Oh, it's that, Mark. And I have... Oh, you've got nine step-parents. That's me. Is that you? Yes. Isn't it funny, <laughs> Morgan? You, when you speak to someone on <laughs> the got... phone... You've got the best laugh, Mark. When you speak to someone on the phone, you kind of build an image of what you think they're going to look like. 
Nothing no, like that. Nothing <laughs> like that. I well, thought you were blonde. Did you? Yes. I can act blonde. I, <laughs> well, I, I, I imagine little I, spectacles, like a Steve Jobs type. I felt like I sipped from the champagne flute of fame, and, and, and now I want to guzzle. <laughs> so just remind people who weren't listening, Morgan, who probably wasn't listening, that you're, you've got nine step-parents. Well, no, nine the, parents. Some of the deceased, yeah. My, yeah. my dad got married four times, and mum would be married five times. Blimey. It's giving me a twitch. This is this is <laughs> tough, Morgan. And was there one point when they swapped partners? It was. That was yeah. That was the first. Well, my dad had been married in America first, then he came yeah. over here and came over. He was stationed in America. He was in the U.S. military. Yeah. And then uh, he came to uh, over here, and uh, yeah, they swapped partners. So dad was at the top of the road. Mum was. It was it was excruciating. And then are you, I remember that a part of the story was that you came back from somewhere and your dad was your uncle. Yes, that's right. Well, you do got a good memory. Was yes, that right? Yes. Something that's right. like that. Because mum married my dad's you brother. You following this, Morgan? I haven't <laughs> got a clue. I haven't got a clue. <laughs> I told my dad I was on the radio. He said, you didn't mention any names, did you? <laughs> you didn't mention the company name, did you? So I'm back to put all that back in now. <laughs> Give you all the detail. Blimey. Is your life complicated, Morgan, or is it nice and kind of... It's nice and calm. Nice, nice and kind of straightforward. What sort of stuff do you do at school? What's your favourite lesson at school? Um, I think it's probably drama. Oh, you're, you're, you're a wannabe actor, are you? What I kind want of... to be a singer, but I like drama as well. You say you want to be a singer. Is it, uh, do you, you can sing, then, can you? Um, yeah. Do you fancy singing this little song this morning? Yeah. Do you fancy having a go? Is she... Mum, I'm going to turn your microphone on in a second so you can answer. Is she a good singer, Mum? Yeah. She. Well, yeah, Mum says you're good. She, would you, <laughs> do you fancy... Are you up for having a little, a little song? Yeah. Would we like to hear that, boys and girls? Ladies and gentlemen. Morgan, uh, well, then away you go. What are you going to sing for us? Um, all of me. Away you go. Let's have it. <clears throat> What would I do without your smart mouth? Drum me in and you kicking me out. You got my head spinning. No kidding, I can pin you. Down. You give me all of you. Oh. Hi! Fantastic! I'll get my coat. Well, I was going to say, Mark, what, what, what song have you prepared for us this morning? <laughs> morning, Roz. Oh, morning. What you got for us? Oh, animal story. Oh, yeah, go on. Have you killed okay. an animal? Uh, pardon? So have, you, have you killed an animal? I have, yeah. Oh, what happened? Yeah. Well, I was in the park with a dog, and he chased after a squirrel and yeah. caught it. Yeah. And he brought it back to me, but he wouldn't put it down. Oh. And it was still alive, poor oh. thing. Um, and it took me ages. I kept saying to him, drop it, drop it, and oh. he wouldn't. I managed to get him back to the car, still wouldn't put this squirrel down. Yeah. And I thought, well, I'm not going to put him in the car with no. a squirrel in his mouth. So I phoned my dad, what? and he said, right, he said, get a, an old rag or something out of the car, wrap it round the squirrel. Is your dad like Harvey Keitel or something? He knows how to dispose <laughs> of bodies. <laughs> No, he knows about animals, though. OK. I just wanted him to uh, tell me how to get the And was the squirrel, squirrel still alive? Mouth. Yeah, it was oh, still alive. That's it's horrible. Really still. Yeah. So he told me to wrap the squirrel up so it didn't scratch or anything. So I did that, and I tucked it under one arm, and he said, right, now lift up the dog's ear and blow in his ear. What? So I said, OK. <laughs> so I did it, and he dropped it. Isn't that... We're thinking, what the flipping heck's going on here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I looked a bit daft, you know. You can imagine blowing in my dog's ear. Yeah. Well, Does that work for all animals? <laughs> but then I had this squirrel, and it was still alive, and I thought, oh, 
and I went and put it underneath a tree. And then I went back to the car, and then I thought, I can't just leave it, and went back to the squirrel, picked it up, and I got my, um, you know, the jack out of the car. Oh, no. And I couldn't. I stood there, put this squirrel on the floor, and I thought, I can't. So I just kind of, like, wrapped it up in this rag and just held it until it died. You suffocated it. I did. You'd rather suffocate it with your own hands... (laughs) Then smash it with a stick. I couldn't do it because I thought, what if I miss? Oh, no. <laughs> it. How long does it take or... to suffocate a squirrel in a rag? Um, <laughs> a couple of minutes. <gasps> a couple of minutes! <laughs> and were you, were you strangling? What were you doing? Were you strangling? I hope you're enjoying your breakfast. Were you strangling it or were you smothering no, it? Like... No, I just sort of held it really close to me. She and... was cuddling it hard. <laughs> and I, cr- I just stood there crying. Oh! And I just sobbed. And then I put it back under the tree. Well, Ros, you just made the podcast. <laughs> tell you, it that... was that was a dark yet tender moment. The thing is, though, if a dog uh, half kills a squirrel, that's na- that's just nature, isn't it? Yeah, but then you let uh, the dog eat it. He didn't want to eat it. I don't know what he wanted to do with it, but he wasn't going to give it to me, not willingly, anyway. Uh, you should have. What you of course should have done, out of respect for the squirrel, is then smothered the dog. <laughs> Held that close to your chest. I must admit, I did actually feel like doing that at one point. It, it was a bit of a strange moment. Did, did you look at your dog differently? You think you're a killer. Now. Never the same again. Yeah, possibly. once they once they've tasted blood, Roz, they'll be eyeing you up. Roz, that's really is the, perhaps the most horrific story I think we've ever had on the show, and we we've had some pretty horrific stories. I thought the way to um, get a dog to drop things was put your finger up its bum. Well, I'll try the ear first. If you okay. don't mind. <laughs> do you um, do your share? I don't know what you mean. No, that's your silver black. Oh, I don't know what you mean. That's your silver black. No, it's not a chair. That's Tina Turner. No, that's Tina Turner. No, right? Do you do right? Do your silver black? Surprise, surprise! Right now, that's your share. No. You're just saying silver black's words, but in the voice of share. No, gypsies, traps, and thieves. Thanks for listening to this free download from BBC Three Counties Radio, your local radio station for beds, hearts and bucks, on FM, AM, digital radio and online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. 